0: Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Do you own a rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. But you know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit geico.com today. That's geico.com. You want to know what makes my day? Reading the reviews from SaveWithConrad.com. John in Lincoln, California left us a five star review that said this was the easiest and most professional loan company we've ever worked with. Larry, Philip, and Holly were professional and friendly, making sure we understood every step of the process and answering all of our questions in a timely manner. We knocked one and a half points off of our interest rate, took cash out to pay down debt and repairs, and our payment didn't increase amazing team amazing experience thank you No, thank you john i appreciate the kind words here's the thing man we want to get you the best rate possible but more importantly we want to set you up for those long-term goals don't you want to pay your house off faster wouldn't it be cool to do it with cheaper monthly payments if you've got debt it's up to you how you pay it back at savewithconrad.com my family will help your family do just that We're going to get you the best rate possible, the greatest tax deduction possible, get you out of debt as fast as possible with the cheapest monthly payments possible. And it's all possible at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Seriously, get yourself a quick quote right now. We're routinely helping our listeners save 60, 70, 80, even $100,000 worth of unnecessary interest. But how much can you save? Find out right now for free at savewithconrad.com. Man, we love talking about our friend, Steven Singer. And I'll tell you, the competition must really hate this guy. He just makes the experience of buying a diamond better and better. And he makes it fun. Steven is the very first to offer each and every customer the perfect price. That's right. Have you ever wondered if you're getting the best price? Are you uncomfortable negotiating? Well, head to Steven Singer Jewelers and you're guaranteed to get the perfect price. You'll never pay more than the guy sitting next to you. Here's a little insider tip. Most jewelers mark their merchandise way up just to mark it down, to make you feel like you're getting a deal. The guy next to you may be paying less. Do you want the most important purchase of your life to be based on your negotiating skills? That's never the case at Steven Singer because at Steven Singer Jewelers, you're guaranteed to get the perfect price all day, every day, 365 days a year. That's why we trust Steven Singer. He makes the experience of buying a diamond so easy. So check out Steven Singer Jewelers at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly or online at IHateStevenSinger.com. Steven Singer Jewelers, one place, one price.
1: Welcome to something, something to wrestle with. Something with to wrestle with.
2: for Well, you know. That's not a rib. She booted. it a <laughs> rip! No, yeah, me. there's no box of gimmicks. <laughs> rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. And was he there? I was there. <laughs> I don't give a
1: shit. <laughs> I ain't scared. Of shit. <laughs> I ain't scared to shut you, you Bruce. Ah, the cheese.
0: cheeseburger. You take the cheeseburger. You take the cheese. Dog. They're on your the Google machine. Goddamn, kid. Goddamn it. What the hell show you got there? I need more. Oh <gasps> yeah. What say you,
2: Ow. And now, something to wrestle with, con Bruce Prichard. Eek the second most recognized athlete
0: in the entire world today. Conrad, red, old say. Say about that. Well,
2: hey man, tell the flash uh, of good night. Yeah, They're so good.
1: Yeah. The basketball shit. Welcome to WrestleMania. Uh, Welcome to
0: something to wrestle, something with. To wrestle, yeah. to wrestle yeah. with. something to wrestle with something to wrestle with. Yeah. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Something to Wrestle With. Bruce Pritchard, Bruce, what's going on, man? Anything big happening this weekend? You know, just, uh, not doing anything on Saturday
2: and Sunday night. You know, Peacock is the place to be. I'm just saying if you know,
0: well, you know, Hey, I've got great news for you too, Bruce. I don't know if you saw, but Peacock has all the old, uh, leave it to beavers. I love that. So not only can you get your WWE content, including WrestleMania, But they've even got the old beef for you. I'll drink to that. Yeah. Everybody knows you love a little old beef. Let's talk about why we're here today.
2: Did you know that that was the first time that sex was ever
0: like on TV? What? Leave it to beaver. Oh, you mean where mom and dad shared a bed? No, no. We're, um,
2: June got up and she said, Ward, weren't you a little hard on the beaver last night?
0: Oh God. Listen to you. What's wrong with you? Ah, come on, that was a good one. That was like an oldie but a goodie
2: That's like shit we used to say like in eighth grade and everything. Laugh our ass off because what? See because it was true because they used that thing in there and said, "Warren, don't
0: you think you're a little hard on the Beaver last night?" Well, let me ask you: um, Is that where you came up with like the, around that same age? You came up with the mailman song.
2: I can you no. Know, that was a goddamn adult
0: okay. I just assumed it was like sort of the same thing. No, no, no. You don't have to get hot about it. Okay. WrestleMania 22 is why we're here. Uh, one of the more underrated WrestleManias in history, but a, uh, a one that's maybe uh heavy on historical significance. I can't believe this was 15 years ago. Does this feel like 50? It might feel like 20 to you though. Your life has changed quite a bit since those six.
2: It feels like about a hundred years ago to me. Well, this is, uh, I don't know why it's just there. There's sometimes in, in, in some periods, you know, where I just have kind of blackouts and, and I don't remember everything and, and just go, holy
0: shit. We did that. Let's talk about, uh, one of the reasons this is significant is because it's not in a stadium. And I know technically last year's wasn't either, but that was different because of COVID, but in a normal pace of life situation, this is the last arena show for WrestleMania. I don't see that ever coming back. Do you? Yeah, I do. Really? Yeah. Why see, I could see it
2: happening for a special, you know, uh, WrestleMania 100 in Madison square garden type thing.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
2: Uh, I, yeah, or, uh, you know, 75th anniversary, something like that 50th anniversary, maybe in the garden.
0: Oh, wow. WrestleMania 50 feels like a long time away, but it's really not. <laughs> it, it, it's,
2: you know, it's, WrestleMania it, four, I thought, man, wouldn't this be cool to do 10 of these?
0: Yeah. It's kind of, it's just weird to think about time. I know people listening to this get tired of me saying that, but we're closer to WrestleMania 50 than we are 22. Isn't that weird? That's, that's kind of weird, that's super weird. Cause this, I don't know either way. April 2nd, 2006 is where this one goes down. The famed all state arena in Chicago. Of course we know this as uh, the Rosemont horizon, uh, the home of WrestleMania 13. Why is Chicago like, at least in my opinion, it's like the premier wrestling town in America. Has that always been the case? Has Chicago always been a hotbed as long as you've been around?
2: As far as I can remember, you know, Vern ran it for the AWA, and that was always a hell of a town for them. But as far as WWE goes, the Chicago market was always great. And, you know, for whatever reason, man, there's something in the water there that the Chicago fans are rabid, enthusiastic, passionate passionate fans. So you add all that to a building that is built in a way, old wooden building that kind of goes straight up and has tremendous acoustics and you have the perfect storm for a great live event.
0: Yeah. The acoustics in that building are something that we've even heard Steve Austin talk a lot about. He sort of, uh, Gives credit to the wooden ceiling for being the reason that the acoustics are what they are. You know, we've, we've heard other people say in a stadium, the sound just goes up. uh, And in a dome show, perhaps you're too far away from the the audience, but you can get a a rabid feel. And I can only imagine from a performer standpoint, there's nothing better than a, a crowd that feels like they're on top of you and seems like they're louder than ever
2: exactly. And it, it, it just energizes you, man. That's the juice that you're always looking for uh, better than any drug is to go out there and be able to have that audience in the palm of your hand and have them react to everything you do.
0: Did you, was the company not sold on the idea that they could run a stadium in this era? You know, the prior year we're at the Staples center, which don't get me wrong. was a big one. And the year before that, we're at Madison Square Garden, which historically we understand. But the year before that, we're in a stadium in uh, Seattle. And the year before that, we're in a dome. And the year before that, we're in a dome. But it does feel like there's a bit of a departure. 04 is in an arena. 05 is in an arena. 06 is in an arena. And of course, we know the next year, we're in Detroit, we're in a dome, and and we're sort of back to business as usual. But that three-year stint was the company just getting really strong, uh, I don't know, uh, sweetheart deals from the, from the local communities or was you it, know, go ahead.
2: Yeah. You know, I think more than anything, it, it was the particular markets and it was a situation where you made WrestleMania really, really special. And you made it something that was the hottest ticket in town, hard to get, not just anybody could get it and. It made WrestleMania that prestige event.
0: Let's uh, let's talk about some big storylines heading into this show, and and one has more controversy than the others. Rey Mysterio would win the Royal Rumble, last eliminating Randy Orton in his tribute to Eddie Guerrero. Mysterio then drops his title shot to Orton, and no way out. But it's announced that it's going to be a triple threat match for the world title with Rey Mysterio, Kurt Angle, and Randy Orton lot to unpack on the whole Eddie Guerrero, Ray Mysterio, Randy Orton thing. Uh, but we're flip-flopping on the part of Ray being involved. Do you think that was planned all along or were we sort of second guessing our decision to give Ray the quote unquote, big belt?
2: Well, I think it probably depends upon who you talk to. And Pat Patterson, you say, at the time, I would tell me it's so that little guy. You put him in there, that's a big giant, and you say, fuck you, and they wins and oh, my God, they'll go banana. Um, and they did. But it was more than anything, I think, that. It was Vince's way of kind of playing with the audience. You got him. You don't, you know, and going back and forth, making Ray earn it and making Ray have to fight to get there, uh, from the standpoint of he had to overcome. It versus he was just given the opportunity.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I, I know that that gets criticized a lot. I think if, you know, several years ago now at this point, and I know you weren't there at the time. But people felt like, hey, they're not giving us Daniel Bryan and we just want Daniel Bryan. And then, of course, Daniel Bryan winds up getting his big crowning moment. And I do think there is something to be said about he made us wait for it. It was a slow burn, if you will. And when it finally happened, man, it was a pretty special moment. But I'm, I'm referring to WrestleMania 30 with Daniel Bryan. I don't think I felt the same way about WrestleMania 22. And I don't know. In hindsight, do you think that being a three-way hurt it more than it helped it?
2: I don't think it hurt it at all. No, I really don't. I, I think it was a good story for Ray and Ray had a lot of obstacles to overcome and overcame them and became, you know, became the guy.
0: It just felt weird to me. The, the, um, the decision to insert Kurt angle into the mix, because if you go back, Batista gets hurt and they need. Kurt to sort of flip-flop brands. But at that time, it feels like the fans are really behind Kurt. And even when you go back and you watch this match back, it feels like the majority of the crowd is pulling for Kurt. Now that's not to say they're not excited when Ray wins. They understand it was a big moment. It was a title change. It was history, but it is, I don't know. It just feels less than as a three-way to me, but we'll agree to disagree. Let's talk about triple H. He wins a triple threat match over big show and Rob Van Dam. He's going to become the uh, number one contender for the WWE title to face John Cena at WrestleMania. Is this sort of the obvious choice? Triple H John Cena one-on-one in the main event of WrestleMania. We know that the year prior we saw, I guess you could call it a main event with, for John Cena in WrestleMania, but he didn't go on last, but he is here. So it probably makes sense that you have a well-established quote unquote, top guy standing across from him. Who better than triple H?
2: I think it was a easy match to make, made the most sense. And I think it was the best match in the book.
0: All right. Heads up boys and girls Our pal and Grammy nominated artist Wale has announced an official apparel partnership with WWE, along with foot action, the very first Wale mania capsule was designed with Wale and it's going to launch during WrestleMania week and feature some of the greatest black champions of all time. There will not only be apparel available online from the greats of today, like Kofi Kingston and Sasha Banks, but also legends like Booker T, Mark Henry, and Ron Simmons. Damn. Wale Mania launches on April 7th. Follow at Foot Action for more details. And I got to tell you, man, I'm pretty hyped up about this. Wale has been a big supporter, not only of professional wrestling, but of our podcast for years. And now he's got to deal with foot action. Come on, man. You love wrestling as much as I do, or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. And who doesn't want to style and profile? Seriously, this is a big deal. Make sure you follow at foot action at Wale and use the hashtag Wale mania, or just check out hashtag Wale mania and see what's calls in all this Wale mania launches on April 7th. You got to follow at foot action for more details, but man, this is so cool. And we are so glad to be a part of Wale mania coming to foot action. Kofi Kingston, Sasha Banks, Booker T, Mark Henry, and Ron Simmons. Damn! Wale Mania is a Wrestlemania tradition and this year it's no different. Check it out right now. Use that hashtag Walemania Mania and be sure to follow at FootAction and at Wale to get the lowdown on all the new t-shirts and hoodies and everything else that Wale's got going on because let me assure you, if Wale's involved, it's going to be cool. It's at Wale, at FootAction and hashtag Wale Mania just in time for WrestleMania. And it launches April seventh. The observer would say, as far as plans go, it's been decided since the day Cena switched brands that Triple H was beating him for the title. Um, I don't know how much I agree with that, but it does make sense that whoever's making these decisions probably has somewhere, here's our top baby faces, here's our top heels. And you do that for both Raw and SmackDown because Matches are, you know, runs or whatever storylines are only as good as who's the guy's opponent, right? You got to have an attraction and you got to have an opponent.
2: And you need to have a story and you need to be able to have people be interested in the story and care about the two competitors and actually give a shit.
0: Let's talk a little bit about some backstage turmoil as we head into the show. Quote, the most talked about story the last week regarding the show was the decision made on March 27th to take Joey styles off of the show and replace him with Jim Ross doing the raw matches with Jonathan Coachman and Jerry Lawler. Styles was told and has been told from the start not to call moves or call the matches a sporting event, but to tell stories. It goes against how he was taught. Plus he came into the equation with plenty of people, not liking him and waiting to pick on things to call him a failure. He was not used to working with partners, especially one as aggressive in the booth as coachman who pretty well takes over when he's out there, no matter how it's sliced, it can't be said it's anything, but a major vote of no confidence and a slap in the face at this point, styles is expected to remain the lead voice of raw, but he's in a weird spot because the company has clearly decided. Ross is better styles was not happy at getting the news, but later claimed that after being disappointed and then mad for about 90 minutes. He claimed he realized he's not where he needs to be for the position. Ross was flown to Omaha to produce the announcers and spent five hours, both on preparation and the show. And after the show, he was working with styles. Lots to unpack here. I really enjoy the, uh, the discussion about Joey styles in WWE, because I feel like so many of us who were big fans of his in ECW, when he came over to the company, as excited as we may have been, It just felt weird we wanted him to be the voice of ECW and now he's trying to be the voice of WWE and it feels like pardon the pun, a bit of a styles clash between the way WWE presented it and the way, uh, you know, Paul Heyman had before, what do you recall about this switcheroo here on March
2: 27th? I really don't remember the the switch that much. I'll say this about Joey styles. I thought Joey was very talented in many areas. Unfortunately, Joey was only, as far as his commentary goes, I think that Joey had done it so long in that ECW style of, oh my God, and all that, that that is, that's what Joey naturally fell back into. So... Well, I think that Joey had a lot of talent and, and I didn't think Joey was bad at all, frankly. Um it was different. It was just different. And you know, you also had Jim, oh you goddamn damn I play by play. Oh, Why can't I be play by play? And Joey, you know, she A C W. Um I think it was a combination of a lot of things.
0: Is it just Vince trying something on? maybe being told or beat upon, Hey, you got to do this. You got to, you got to give this guy a try or is it more events? Goddamn. How long does JR need to sit in that seat? Let's try some new things. And then whatever the case, it just not being the best fit for the style or, or the push that he wants.
2: Yeah. I think that, you know, as far as putting someone else in that seat, that's been, (laughs) that's legendary as far as. From day one, Vince is always looking for who's, you know, who's the backup, who's next. Um, Always, always want something simmering on the stove, you know, behind it so that it's ready to go. If you have to make a change or you have to make a move. And this was no different, Joey He didn't come in to be, oh my God, this is going to be the voice of the WWE for the next 30 years. I think Michael Cole, you know, more than anything, was done it by accident in a lot of respects. But I think Michael Cole is good. Michael gets knocked an awful lot. I think Michael's a good play by play guy. JR was a good play by play guy. Um, It just, it's the times it's the times. And sometimes you you change things and you make a change and you realize, well, shit, maybe we want to change it back and and go back to the way it was. And we'll keep looking for a different sound and a different look.
0: Let me ask, do you think the timing of this is just based on Vince really wants to make sure that everything is perfect by the time it comes around to WrestleMania?
2: I think so. And and again, it, it's um, whenever you look at that time of year, it's always a time of year of change and and experimentation and, and trying new things. I think that you have the most eyeballs and a lot of people interested in the product at the time. And that's the time that you want to put your best foot forward.
0: We know how uh, strongly JR feels about you know, being the lead guy and having this opportunity, how tickled was he to get this call? Oh God.
2: Well, I mean, it, it's, you remember, I told you the story about the iron Sheik winning the gimmick battle Royal. Yes. It was the iron Sheik. It was a thought, Of course I win. I thought, who else would win, but the Sheiky baby. I think that Jim, in a lot of respects, is is the same way when it comes to this. Well, who, who else you can put in there, uh, Sasha fresh <laughs> you know, we, you, are, are y'all done playing your little games now? That you ready for the professional, to, to step back into the booth and do what I do, Sasha uh, uh, That's tremendous. Give me another Crown Royal.
0: Let me talk a little bit about uh, Jonathan Coachman. It's written here. Quote, there was a lot of heat on Jonathan coachman over the past week. Coachman has his full-time job at CSTV. And even though he's charismatic people with outside interest must pay. He did himself no favors by complaining that he was brought to Detroit for Saturday night's main event and had to cancel hosting a CSTV show that day. And then they only used him on the web broadcast. Worse for him in that in that department, Michael Cole was also brought to Saturday night's main event, not used at all and didn't complain about it is this one of those weird deals where wrestling politics are just out of control, you know, like, or is it more about, hang on, hang on. on. You
2: say wrestling politics and and all this shit. Let me ask you something. I mean, have a Memorial day, uh, day open at the office. Yep. Because there's a lot of people that are off that day that could come down and, and look at getting a new mortgage. Right. Right. Sure. Okay. Well, so what if, you know, you have everybody come in and only, only one person or there's one person who doesn't have one appointment or sell one mortgage or do anything, they're going to bitch and moan. Sure. And then you'll have someone else in there that, that only had one appointment or maybe only sold one mortgage or what have you. And they're like, no, well shit, man. Well, that, that's just kind of how it goes today. That's just shit that happens sometimes. I don't think anybody says, oh, well coach, you know, coach, coach is coach and coach is very talented. And, uh, same thing, you know, it's, it's, I think that people get frustrated at times and forget about, well, you know what, they could have not brought me in at all because <laughs> well, absolutely zero for me.
0: That's what I mean is I just, when I, I was trying to belabor the point, this feels Political in that sometimes we see whenever we watch politics on TV, people are fired up or outraged about something. That's not really a big deal, but we've got to create content for our television program, so we're going to make something that's not a big deal into a big deal. I mean, over the years, my God, how many talent have been brought to a wrestling show and then plans change Conrad and they're not used like this is not unique to wrestling or television. Uh, it's a live event. it. sort of is what it is. And I don't know the idea that this got page time to me just stuck out. Like that's a prime example of quote unquote wrestling politics. I don't see how that's even a story.
2: Yeah, I don't either. And uh, I can only imagine where the story came from.
0: Well, that's what I wanted to ask. I guess do, you, do we assume that when stories like this come out? I mean, I've seen the way coach at, you know, on social media interacts with the quote unquote wrestling journalists the boy, he is no friend of theirs. How does this get out there? Is this someone from the office? Just looking to Barry coach? Like the idea that anybody even knows about this, or is it more like maybe he just mentioned something in catering and one of the boys, Hey, guess what I heard,
2: or maybe that it was just made up by some wrestling
0: journalists. There you go. Could be. Let's, uh, let's keep rolling here. Let's talk about what's next on the show. We've got the, uh, the hall of fame coming. Of course, if it's WrestleMania, you know, there's a hall of fame. Um, Brett Hart and Eddie Guerrero are names that are discussed. Vince had been attempting to mend fences with Brett for a long time. Were you surprised that it actually happened that Brett finally went in the hall of fame? No, not at all. You know,
2: um, there had been a. There had been a meeting, I guess, in maybe 04, maybe 05, something like that, uh, where Brett and Vince got together and, and talked for a long time and, and just mended fences. And it's like, let's let's get over this and, and move forward. From Vince's point of view, I think he had always wanted to do that and always just was like, you know, hey, Brett, come on. Um, let's go with the good times and let's go with all the good shit that we did and and move forward and let's, let's don't, don't have this wall up between us. So it didn't surprise me at all. It just was a matter of time. And I think it was the right time.
0: Brett is, uh, still upset. He said at the time they've sent me a contract and I don't have any intention of signing it. I know what that contract means to them. I had a contract and they screwed me over on it. Now they come back to me with a contract 10 years later and ask me to sign it for what? I don't know, man. It just feels like he wasn't ready. I mean, to the point he even addressed Sean Michaels, potentially being at this hall of fame induction, he says, I've basically told them if I see Sean, I'll get back in a cab and go straight to the airport. They'll have to get him to do my induction speech. I just feel that there's too much anger for me. It's too combustible. Did you ever have a a conversation with Brett before he went into the hall of fame here?
2: I did not, uh, see and, or speak to Brett the entire, that entire weekend.
0: So he was legitimately in and out. Yes. Yep. Is that something that, um, Vince was prepared for? He knew that that was just going to be part of the deal. It was, uh, I don't know, a feeling out process, maybe if you will.
2: Uh, Brett had Brett had something else, had another commitment on Sunday. And so the deal was, it's like, okay, yeah, I'll come in and I'll do the ceremony on Saturday, but I can't do WrestleMania itself. And Vince agreed to that. So Brett was, Brett was in and out.
0: It can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or running late, to find yourself at a railway crossing waiting for a train. And if the signals are going and the train's not even there yet, you may feel a bit tempted to try and sneak across the tracks. Well, don't. Ever. To the naked eye, trains often appear to be further away and moving slower than they are, and they can't stop quickly. And even if the engineer hits the emergency brakes right away, it can take a train over a mile to stop over a mile to stop by that time it's too late and the result is a potential deadly crash the point is you can't know how quickly the train will arrive the train can't stop quickly and even if it sees you it ends in disaster if the signals are on the train is on its way and you just need to remember one thing stop trains can't paid for by NHTSA was putting Bret Hart in the hall of fame at this point, while he's still so upset and everything's still such a sore subject, was it worth all the negative attention? Do you think, I mean, obviously he deserved his, his place. I'm not arguing that bona fide hall of famer, no matter how you slice it, but it just, it felt like he's not ready and we're trying to drag him in here, kicking and screaming.
2: Yeah, but he was ready. And I think it was an important process in, in Brett dealing with everything. I really do.
0: Let's bring up the uh, rest of the hall of fame class here. Uh, Brett would be the main event that year, of course, and stone cold, Steve Austin would induct him. He's gotta be the, the only choice, right? I mean, stone cold became the biggest star in the business. And I think even Austin says he's not sure that it would have happened if it weren't for Brett Hart.
2: Yes. uh, And Steve for Brett also to feel the way that Brett wanted to feel and his being honored. You, you do, you take the, the top guy in the business right down that top guy in the business is the one that inducts him. Um, the only other one I think that could have inducted him would have been Vince.
0: Let's, uh, let's talk about Eddie Guerrero. He's going in too, unfortunately posthumously Benoit Mysterio and Chavo induct him. Of course we know he just passed away in November of the prior year. I mean, no consideration. Eddie had to go in here in 06, right?
2: I think so. You know, it was unfortunately still pretty damn fresh and it was. The right thing to do.
0: Mean Gene Okerlund, probably long overdue Hulk Hogan inducts him. A lot of star power on this thing so far. Uh, mean Gene man gone way too soon. I mean, I know he lived a long life, but. I miss mean gene to this day, you and I got to hang out with him a couple of times. And he's like, uh, the voice, the real venerable voice of the WWF to me.
2: Uh, Gene to mean, yeah. You know, gene was never at a loss for words in any situation (laughs) at any time. And it was, it was nice to see gene take his rightful place in the hall of fame. And I think that, uh, you know, being up there with the guys that he was inducted in also really kind of helped as well. Just, uh, to, to have a Bobby Heenan and a Vern Ganya and that group of talent. It, it was quite the impressive. And of course, William refrigerator Perry can't forget him. It was, it was, it was good. It was a, it was a, in some ways it was like a, a bit of an AWA, uh, reunion. Sure. Um, but it was, that was a fun night. That was a really fun night.
0: Sensational Sherry goes in Ted DiBiase inducts her. Uh, Vern Gagne goes in Greg Gagne inducted him. Well, and then, uh, Mr. USA Tony Atlas himself went in and ST Jones put him in quite a group, man.
2: Yeah. And the, my favorite part about the whole thing was Sherry Martell, uh, in her speech, just burying Eric Bischoff (laughs) and about if, if Bischoff were around and blah, 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 and she would do this and she would do that. Eric stood up in the audience and said, I'm right here, Sherry. And she screamed like she had seen a ghost. Tremendous. It was absolutely one of the high spots. I mean, that one you couldn't have planned any better.
0: The Blackjacks go in. Bobby Hannon inducts them, and uh, as you said, uh, Refrigerator Perry and uh, John Cena put him in. Man, this is uh, a great Hall of Fame class here in 6
2: Yeah, it, it was it was amazing. And the other good thing about that was, you know, Blackjack Lands and Blackjack Mulligan, and Mulligan uh, had difficulty standing. So the idea was that they would get Bobby Jack up to the podium and get him basically in place and that it would be a very short acceptance speech. As they got up there, you know, Lanza, of course, was like, uh, hey, Jack, I'm just going to uh, I just going to say thank you real quick and I'll throw it to you and we can go sit down. And Lanza went on and on and on and on. It was fucking brutal. <laughs> you could tell Lanza was just ribbing him because he, he would turn to turn to Mulligan and just go, I'm, "I'm almost over," type thing. <laughs> and he would just go on and on, just waiting for uh, Mulligan to like sell. And trying to just go sit down and shit. And it was, uh, that was a fun, good, good, good little piece of business there. Connie, get a little piece of business
0: there. Let's talk about, um, what it meant to the Guerrero family. It, you know, that's probably the sweetest moment of all. I mean, people are obviously excited to see the laughs and the funny ha ha's and pay tribute to one of the best of all time. The best there is, the best there was, et cetera, et cetera. But. Eddie Guerrero being so fresh, do you remember hanging with their, with his family at all that weekend and how excited and, and, and they were to sort of pay honor to their husband and father?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's just, you know, unfortunately what you get to a WrestleMania week. And from our vantage point, we're so damn busy that if I, if I get to get back and say congratulations to them is is a big big thing and a great amount of effort. So it's I didn't get to didn't get a hang with them nearly as much as I would have loved to, and it was um, that one. You know, again, still that one was just kind of hard because it was fresh. But I also think it was the right thing and right time to do it.
0: We just recently talked about this WrestleMania with, uh, Kurt angle, and we talked about the main event. And one of the things we talked about was the idea that Randy Orton is going to be suspended for 60 days for what's called unprofessional conduct. And it was even hinted around on the recent broken skull sessions where he sat down with stone cold and he said, well, I was doing some dumb stuff. And I did some more dumb stuff. It feels like he was, uh, I don't know, trying to find the line, you know, I, you know, I I hate to make this analogy, but uh, Megan's been trying to train our dogs. And so the dogs are trying to figure out what they can get away with. It was Randy trying to figure out, Hey, how do I find my way here as a top guy? How do I acclimate to this and handle this success? I need to figure I'm, I'm a bit of a rebel spirit, but I need to figure out what I can do and what I can't do. Was that a process for Randy? Is that fair to say?
2: I think it's fair to say that everybody screws up, uh, some of us more than others, and I'm looking in the mirror on that one. Um, and it, it's, it's a matter of, of growing up and maturity, and sometimes you make poor decisions. I know I've made enough of them in my lifetime to, to not throw stones.
0: The Observer says that uh, there was a series of incidents going back to January, but they just classified it as all behavioral problems. And they say there was another incident in late February, uh, but the exact time of when whatever that was happened may be off by a week or two. And then Dave would write The final straw is something he did in Chicago the days leading up to WrestleMania. This feels like a combustible relationship at the time with Vince and Randy. Were you. In Vince's ear or Randy's ear, sort of trying to let cooler heads prevail, play go between. What can you tell us about just their personal relationship? Because it feels like it's trying to come to a head here in 06.
2: Well, I think that uh, Meltzer probably has all of that wrong. Most of it wrong, if nothing else. Um, But I... I don't really remember. <laughs> um, so, it, you know, it's one of those situations again, when you said how Randy put it, I think that Randy put it best that sometimes you just, uh, just not always on your best behavior and, and sometimes shit happens.
0: It's, uh, it's, you it's a, it's a story unique to Randy because I don't know that many guys have this rough patch and then go on to have the success they have. And they even talked about it in that broken skull sessions thing with, uh, with Austin, where in more recent years, he's become the veteran trying to pay it forward and give back. Would you have ever predicted that out of this same guy who's in a rough spot here in 06? I mean, it's, it's a unique story. Yeah,
2: yeah I really would have. Cause uh, again, it's, you have, you know, you have to get through the layers and you have to. You know, for people that from afar uh, that don't know him, I can see, you know, how how they could get there. But if you take the time to get to know him and you take the time to understand his passion and you take the time to understand what makes him tick, it's talented, talented people and creative people are a different breed. It's just a completely it's a completely different mindset.
0: We know once upon a time evolution was a big deal. Well, it's also a mystery, uh, but it was a big deal here in the WWE from O three, O four, O five. Here we are in O six. six. Uh, he's in the world title picture of WrestleMania. So clearly his career is on the right path. Did he have like, um, a mentor type relationship with, with Hunter or Rick at this time, or had he sort of become his own lone wolf, if you will?
2: No, I think that Randy has, has looked at a lot of people as his mentors from Vince to to Hunter, to, to Rick, you know, on down the line, um, his dad, that he would listen to and, and also try and carve his own way and try and try and figure out, navigate those roads, if you will, to success and and add to that just a natural God-given talent to go out and do what he does every night, then, you know, yeah, I think that I don't think Randy ever, I don't think Randy ever wanted to be alone. I think Randy, you know, needs that, you know, that little bit of guidance and, and push and, hey, what do you think about this? And what do you think
0: about that? I know that this was a long time ago, but I'm just trying to drill down on, you know, what you can tell us in terms of, because it just feels like it's repeatedly said some sort of behavioral problems. Was he just, I, was yeah, he just burned out?
2: Was he just frustrated? I know. I, you know, I think that just sometimes it's, it's timing. Right. And that's all it is. It's, you know, sometimes a guy won't have a good run because it's, it's timing for whatever reason. Shit doesn't happen that should have happened. There's, you know, that's sometimes all there is to it. And and people can make, you know, all they want to out of behavioral problems and all this other shit. um, That's like, you know what, man, it was tired. Timing was the shits and That's all there is to
0: it. I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to drill down on is we've all been burnt out. And sometimes when you're burnt out and you're stressed out, you're maybe not as nice and polite as you would normally be because you just, you just, for lack of a better phrase, just need to get out of the race car. I just need to take a break. Are you talking about me? No,
2: but you're talking about me now, aren't you?
0: Well, I have seen when you were, you know, well-rested. You don't fucking know what you've seen. Okay. Okay. It's fair to say, okay,
2: well, then fucking do see it. I, you know, sometimes people have a short fucking fuse, man. Okay.
0: One of the things I wanted to mention is despite all these problems happening in January and February and late March, the suspension doesn't happen until after WrestleMania. And this is because I think the old adage was you got to get the match in the ring, right?
2: Yeah. And again, I don't remember the specifics of it. So it's, uh, I think, you know, also there's a period where you try to work with people.
0: Average interest rates on credit card debt are over 17% APR. Have you looked at your interest rate lately? Pay off your credit cards and save with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. Rates start at just 5.95% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. And that's much lower than the national average interest rate on credit cards. Plus, the rate is fixed, so it will never go up over the life of the loan. You can get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000 with absolutely no fees. You can even get your money as soon as the day you apply. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience, and that's exactly what they deliver. And by the way, I can vouch for that. You know I've told this story dozens of times. I got the best deal I've ever had through Lightstream.com. And just for my listeners, you can apply now and get a special interest rate discount and save even more. Now, the only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash wrestle. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash wrestle. This is subject to credit approval. Rates range from 5.95% APR to 19.99% APR. And include a half a percent auto pay discount. Lowest rate requires excellent credit, terms and conditions apply, and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit Lightstream.com slash Wrestle for more information. And we thank Lightstream for sponsoring today's podcast. That's Lightstream.com forward slash Wrestle. Well let's uh let's talk about the other business aspects of the show. WrestleMania twenty one in Los Angeles the big match pushed was Batista versus Triple H. It drew 20,193 fans. We had a $2.1 million gate, and the pay per view had 1,090,000 buys. This show draws less fans, $17,155, but more money, $2.5 million at the gate. And buys are down a little bit, but not a ton. 975,000 buys. A success, no doubt. But when you see a downward trend, even if it is roughly just a hundred thousand buys, is that alarming or does it really even matter?
2: Well, I, look, it always matters. It, it, I used to look at, uh, the Sam Houston Coliseum. And if we were down a thousand dollars, what the fuck did we do wrong? Right. And so it always matters to me if you're not. Just where you think you should be or, or better than last time. It's, it's frustrating. I don't care who you are. It's it's, it is frustrating and that new gas station opened everything under the sun, but at the same time it was, I don't consider it a failure anyway.
0: It just feels like when you're talking about this much money, because one of the things that's not talked about are all the other perks, whether it's tax benefits or sponsorships, you know, none of that's published. So it just feels like for the overall impact of a WrestleMania, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars, one way or another, it's probably not something that Vince is even going to sweat or is he breaking it down? Does he have a meeting after and say, God damn it guys, we're down a hundred thousand. What did we do wrong? What can we learn from this? Was this a teachable moment, pal? Any of that happened?
2: Everything's a teachable moment. And I'm sure that he did that. Not with me, but it, it uh, I'm sure that he did that and look at everything and figure out why, why is, did we do this and, and didn't do that? Um, I do want to have mention- to, you have to analyze it and you have to look at it. And, and, times, times were changing at that point and looking at, okay, should we have done a stadium? Should we have done a lot of things? There's a lot of, you know, would've should've could've.
0: I want to mention the, um, the difference in business. Cause you said times are changing. I really liked WrestleMania 13. I'm going to get ethered for that, but I thought the damn Austin Bret Hart match made up for whatever silliness on the show. We didn't like, and that show did $837,000 at the gate. We're back here. Same arena. Uh, what from, from 97 to Oh six. And it's two and a half million dollars. So it's easy for us to say, Oh, things are down. But my God, they're so much better than they used to be different business, different times. Yep. Let's get to the show. Uh, the wrestling observer readers liked it. They gave it 81.6% thumbs up, five and a half percent thumbs down, 12.9% thumbs in the middle. Before we jump into it, you watched it back this week for the first time in a long time. What'd you think? Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. Yeah, that was a solid show. Let's jump into it. Up. What's that?
2: I said it held up.
0: I um, I gotta ask. The dark match is <laughs> eighteen man battle royal. Most of the names on the roster who weren't on the main card, Meltzer would say the only notable absence from this were Paul London and Brian Kendrick. It came down to Eminem, Road Warrior, viscera and Gene Snitsky. Eminem was eliminated first from that group. Road Warrior was next. And his elimination looked weird as he immediately put his foot on the apron and the refs couldn't figure out what to do. This left Viscera with Snitsky and Viscera tossed Snitsky out and then kissed Lillian Garcia on the way out. The battle Royal dark matches back in the day. This is obviously an effort to just get as many folks on the card as we can. What other thought goes into booking something like this? Or is it a largely forgettable throwaway? Hey, let's just get you out there in front of the big crowd on the big show.
2: Well, I, I guess it depends on the viewpoint of the talent in the match. And I think that a lot of guys would want to be in front of that WrestleMania crowd. I get it. Um, you know, sometimes when you look at the presentation of the event, it's, you can have a, we can get everybody on the card uh, in matches and everything else and have a 10 hour WrestleMania. That's, that's just not realistic. And it's not something that uh, unfortunately we could do. Um, There was a point in time. I think we did it. The hell did we do it? Uh, Maybe in LA or something like that, where we did a WrestleMania and basically it was all day long live um if you bought the pay-per-view and there were commentators that were going through fan access and getting ready and we had matches and it was anyone that watched it bless your heart and thank you um i just don't know that the the audience really craved that much and i know you know today's a different time and day and everything else uh, so we're not talking about today, but I'm looking at it back then where you have a, have a captive audience in an arena for so long, it's, they could get tired out pretty quickly.
0: Big Vis gets the big win here. I, uh, I'm glad. Well, that's
2: got... kind of like Jr doing commentary. Well, who else would get it?
0: <laughs> it's like a precursor for the Andre, the giant battle Royal. Uh, next up we've got Kane and big show. Retaining the world tag team titles over Chris masters and Carlito. They go six minutes and 41 seconds. There's a surprisingly loud chance for Carlito here early on, uh, big show presses masters and drops him masters rolls out show presses. Carlito throws him over the top onto masters and then Kane comes off the top rope onto both guys, but really he's trying to close line masters and the finish would see show have Carlito set up for the choke slam. When masters gave show a chop block. Masters comes off the top with the old double sledge, but show moves and Carlito gets nailed. Kane pins Carlito with a choke slam, and Masters and Carlito are arguing after the match. Meltzer would say Kane and Carlito were better than they've ever been on TV, but there wasn't much to the match. Star in three quarters, you've got some bona fide Hall of Famers here and some upstarts who the company's really high on with Chris Masters and Carlito. What an interesting pairing that was in hindsight, too. Two guys that. In this era, I felt like, man, they're going to be big stars here for a long time. And then for whatever reason, it didn't work out. And they're taking on two guys who were literally big stars here for a long time.
2: Yeah. I thought the match was okay. I didn't think it was a, a matte spectacular, but I thought it was okay. And it's kind of, you know, kind of fun. And it showed Carlito with his working boots on and Again, you had Kane and big show out there for star power. So they were able to, you know, take it to that next level, but I didn't think it was great. I thought it was okay.
0: Uh, the big show and Kane are going to transition the titles right to the spirit squad the next night and masters and Carlito break up the same night. Why was it time to split Chris and Carlito? Did you just see them more as single stars and it was worth a shot to try it and just didn't work for whatever reason.
2: Yeah, it, again, I think that uh, both Masters and Carlito were better as as single stars, but they were friends and wanted to try the tag team for a while thinking that there would be chemistry there. But if you were going to get your money out of them, you were going to get your money out of them uh, as singles competitors. Both had the look and both had had the aura of being good top singles guys.
0: Let's talk about Spirit Squad here for a minute. They debuted on January twenty third, two thousand six, and they're gonna come in with a lot of TV time. Who was so high on the Spirit Squad? Was that a Vince thing? I mean, I know everything always is a Vince thing, but do you what can you tell us about how this not only came to be, but how it became so prominent?
2: Whew. Um you know that's a that's a product of of long overseas flights. Sometimes that uh, things come up and you start discussing, and then you go around in a circle. And by the time you land seven hours later, you've got a spirit squad. Um, but also looking at it, I forget who the hell um, had been a. Male cheerleader um, And one of those guys I think it was a male cheerleader In college or something But there was someone on the team Or there's someone in the office Or something that had been a male cheer- cheerleader That was You could just see And when you look back You know, you have your jocks And you always have the dick that That's, you know, the jock That walks around, you know And campus stud And all this other bullshit Well, the feeling was, and I've, I've known a few cheerleaders in my day that, uh, male cheerleaders at that, that, uh, they would walk around like they were the hottest shit in the world. And, and they were because they were hanging out with the cheerleaders all the time. And there were those guys that were just complete dicks that, and I'm not saying this about all male cheerleaders folks. Okay. So I don't want any male, um, but if they were easy to hate, they, they came across to where these guys were easy to hate and it was something that Vince really believed in. And we went for,
0: there you go. I can drink to that. Let's, um, let's talk about the next match and what a match it is. Rob Van Dam wins the money in the bank ladder match in 12 minutes and 21 seconds, Beating Shelton Benjamin, Matt Hardy, Ric Flair, Fit Finley, and Bobby Lashley. Just one hall of famer after another, but boy, a couple really stick out. Don't they?
2: Yeah, you know, whenever I think of a ladder match, I always think of those great ladder matches that fit Finley had, And, and of course, you can't leave Ric Flair out of that uh, commentary because when I think of great Ric Flair matches, I think about that ladder match that he had in Westlaco, Texas, that time in the summer of uh, 74. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. He and Wahoo. He and Wahoo (laughs) had some great ladder matches back in their day. As I said last week, I don't, you know, I I think that the most intriguing part of this match was to see how many rungs that uh, Rick and Fit Finley would actually attempt to climb. (laughs) And needless to say, I think they, for the most part, were able to work that ladder match without going too far up that fucker. Ever.
0: Okay, timeout. I want to talk about how much I love tag team wrestling and specifically. My favorite part of a tag team match. It's the hot tag, baby. We recently got the hot tag over at savewithconrad.com from Michael in Williamstown, New Jersey. He left us a five-star review and he had this to say. When I started the refi process, I went to the company that held my loan to ask about a refi. They were less than optimistic about some of our refinance goals. A fan of Conrad's podcast. I wanted to give Conrad a shot at earning my business. I worked with Jimmy and immediately got the sense that our goals were realistic. I locked in an ultra low rate, and the terms that made the deal were a no brainer for me. In the end, I cut six years off of my loan and saved about $90,000. I can't thank Conrad, Jimmy, and Eric enough. Think about that, man. His first company, the company who had his current mortgage, said, "Uh, I don't know if we can do that. And the old wrestling podcast team pulled through, baby. Cut six years off his loan, $90,000. Are you serious? It's the best rate he's ever had on a mortgage, and it all happened at SaveWithConrad.com. He saved 90 grand, but how much can you save? It's free to find out right now. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket, And it's not a matter if you can save money. It's a matter of how much. Find out right now. SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender, hurry to SaveWithConrad.com. Meltzer would say Van Damme and flair were clearly the two most popular and really the only two who had a shot at winning Van Damme did a dive over the top rope onto Hardy. who was holding a ladder. So Van Damme crashed into it. A ladder was put resting on the ropes and Benjamin ran up the ladder legs and did a flip dive on Lashley Hardy and RVD Bruce. I remember that spot. Like it was yesterday. Everyone in my living room stood up and looked around at each other in amazement. How did that just happen? That's a video game thing. That's not supposed to happen. Do you remember this spot?
2: Or you call it a Shelton Benjamin thing.
0: It's unbelievable, dude. Like the athleticism of a guy to do that and the timing. How many times
2: you rehearsed it?
0: Zero. Yeah. Isn't that remarkable?
2: Just kind of looked at it and said, hmm, what if I just ran up the motherfucker?
0: I'm just saying in a weird way, I know it's not his gimmick, but maybe it should be. Shelton Benjamin's like the real life, Mr. Perfect. How does he do that without practice? Yeah. I kind of like, he's kind of like rubber man. It's unbelievable. You just think about that. And then like that, that super kick, everybody still remembers so well with Shawn Michaels, like that dude, just always in the right place at the right time and nobody can put their finger on wire. How? Yep. Um, there's a lot going on here. There's some big bumps, Hardy, superplexing Flair over the top of the ladder Flair working on that knee. And um he's taken to the back. Benjamin tries a power bomb on Lashley off the ladder. Finley and Hardy try to pull Lashley off. Flair comes back limping. He's going crazy, chopping everyone in sight. Lashley's climbing. RVD comes off the top rope, holding a chair with a drop kick into Lashley's kidneys. Hardy does a leg drop from two-thirds of the way up the ladder on Lashley. Hardy hits the side effect on a ladder for Finley. Flair's largely eliminated a second time, taking a, a long back bump off a ladder when he was knocked off. And then RVD comes off the very top of the ladder with a splash onto Finley. And that's a huge ECW chant as a result. And the finish would see two ladders in place. Hardy, Benjamin and RVD are all climbing. RVD switches, ladders kicks over the ladder and that sends Benjamin and Hardy over the top rope to the floor. And he grabs the briefcase Meltzer loved it, gave it four stars. This is one of the great money in the bank ladder matches. Uh, what can you tell us about this one? This is something people are still talking about.
2: Yeah, I thought it was excellent. And when you look at ladder matches and probably because you put someone like Finley and flair in the match to basically normalize it a little bit and logic, throw some logic into the shit. (laughs) So there wasn't as much of the crazy stuff. It was there, right? Um, but I think it was done in a little bit more logical way. And it was also, you know, a showcase for the guys that could do it and was able to spotlight two guys that was not their forte in Rick and fit and be able to showcase everybody in that match. I thought it was excellent.
0: It really is something to think about that. You know, the prior year WrestleMania 21 is, is the very first one. And Edge wins, and we know he's going to cash in in quite a moment to beat John Cena for the world championship right after that elimination chamber match at new year's revolution in 06 here. But then here we know it's going to be another equally important moment because when Rob Van Dam wins, he's going to chase not only the world title, but the ECW world title and go on to his greatest success. This is really showing the fans at home, Hey, this money in the bank, money in the bank ladder match really matters because whoever wins here is going to be about, to uh, on the ride or embark on the ride of a lifetime for their career. Is that fair to say?
2: Yeah. And it was all, you know, this was kind of the, even still in the newborn stages of the money in the bank match and what it means and going from there. So, yeah, I think it was important.
0: It's pretty phenomenal to look back and see, you know, what this match meant to Edge and what it meant to Rob Van Dam. Of course, we know now it became so popular they made it a pay per view. In hindsight, do you wish it would have just been one of the special WrestleMania attractions? Forever.
2: I like actually I like the pay per view and I, I like building around it because it is such of a special moment and it's an opportunity to have something that means something on a pay-per-view other than a championship match.
0: Um, next up, Howard Finkel is going to introduce the Hall of Fame inductees. This is probably well timed. I think you would call this a let me up segment. I mean, how do you follow a car crash like that? You need to have something to just let people settle in, huh?
2: Well, yeah, you want calm down, folks, here we go. And here are your Hall of Fame inductees.
0: Uh, Refrigerator Perry and Vern Gagne get nice reactions. Howard Finkel makes it known that Bret Hart was uncomfortable about being there. Not a negative reaction at all. uh, Just more quiet, almost like people totally understood. But a huge reaction for Vicky and Chavo Guerrero. Meltzer would say it was just incredible, even more than you'd expect. And you could see it really made both of them very happy. A nice little feel-good moment here
2: sure it was. And then it just, again, it spoke volumes to, uh, how soon and just how over and how much the audience truly appreciated Eddie Guerrero.
0: Next up is uh, JBL winning the U S title from Chris Benoit in nine minutes and 44 seconds. Uh, Meltzer would say the match was too short for a Benoit WrestleMania match. They also played too much on Guerrero for easy heat. Well, you'd think that. JBL kept doing the Guerrero dance and either people didn't know it because he did it so badly, or they just didn't care because people didn't react. However, when JBL tried the three amigos, people were not happy with that. Benoit blocked the third suplex and he came off with the uh, three amigos of his own, he got a near fall with a diving headbutt. Benoit ducked a clothesline and got the cross face and JBL while caught in the move, rolled Benoit to his back and held the ropes for the pin. JBL may have been one of the few people fully aware of the results since he guaranteed it on TV and also did the storyline that by beating both Guerrero and Benoit, the two best technical wrestlers of the era, both for major titles. It makes him the best technical wrestler in the world. Two and three quarter stars of all time. He's a wrestling guide. It's been well-established. Yes, he is. Hey, chat me up though. You could say, you could tell just by the way, Dave wrote it here. He really wanted Chris Benoit to win. Uh but this is a, a heat moment. You know, normally WrestleMania is filled with feel good moments, but we're still uh leaving Benoit's moment in the sun for another day. JBL's victorious. What do you remember about this?
2: Oh Jesus Christ. You know, next time I'll have to check the uh the time for Chris Benoit matches at WrestleMania. I guess there must've been a book that well, Dave Meltzer and Clint from Hershey and discussed this and the, the optimum time should be what the fuck. I thought it was a good story. I thought they had a hell of a match. Uh, Chris and John enjoyed working with each other and beating the living shit out of each other. So it was, it was a lot of fun and, uh, told a good story.
0: Next up a match that people are still talking about what, man, this is a loaded show edge pins, Mick Foley in a hardcore match in 14 minutes and 37 seconds. I mean, people still talk about the one spot, but they do everything. Meltzer would say Foley took abuse early with a hard cookie sheet and broiler pan shots to the head, followed by a drop kick of a sign into his face. Since this stuff hasn't been done here much of late, it wasn't boring comedy. Like they had turned it into before edge speared Foley, but then sold it because Foley took off his flannel shirt and revealed he had hidden barbed wire underneath Foley whipped him with the barbed wire and then got a barbed wire. Uh, bat that he had hidden under the ring steps Lita ran in and jumped on Foley's back with Lita on his back. He ran towards edge and did his running clothesline spot where all three go over the top rope together. And she landed right on her butt, which I suppose is better than landing right on her head. Foley used the neck breaker on the entrance ramp edge would hip toss Foley into the ring steps, and he's going to take a hard bump on his hip here. And then he whips Foley into the uh, steps and took a header and then edge pulled the table, set it up near the ring. He whips Foley on the entrance ramp and he hits his head on the, uh, uh, the, the pretty hard. And he starts to pour lighter fluid on Foley. We know what this is teasing. My goodness. Edge DDT's Foley on a, on a broiler pan. And after Lita had him distracted and then edge hits Foley in the chest and the back with that bar bar bat and tears up his head with it. Gives him a face buster on it. Foley then pours thumbtacks out and gives edge a back suplex onto thumbtacks. So now edge has tacks sticking all in his back. Foley pulls out Mr. Sacco, but wraps him in barbed wire and puts both Lita and Edge in the claw. Lita is now bleeding from the mouth, and the finish would see Foley pour the lighter fluid on the table. Lita hits Foley in the knees with that barbed bar wire bat, and now Lita has lit the table on fire. And Edge spears Foley, who's on the apron, both go through the flaming table, and thankfully, that's it. Edge wins. Uh, fan gives the, the fans would all give Foley a standing ovation after the match, and I think it's now... Regarded as Mick Foley's WrestleMania moment, but my God fire at a WrestleMania thumbtacks at a WrestleMania. This is unbelievable. Hated it. I know you do. I can't believe it happened. I can't believe Vince allowed it, but the spectacle of this, it's
2: look unbelievable, the, the spectacle and the amount of effort put into in the performance by everyone involved was by far, uh, no one can knock that. No one can, can, um, say that wasn't an unbelievable performance by every single person involved. I just, um, you know, you know me, I'm not a fan of the thumbtacks. I'm not a fan. I was fucking fire. Oh boy. I like something on fire. It crashes through it. And it goes out. um, I just I, I was I, not my cup of tea. Right, not my cup of tea. Not something that that I'm a big fan of. Dude. You know, you watch it sometimes and go, holy shit, crash and burn. I always um, am concerned for the safety, of the of the talent involved. And watching it, you know, made me cringe all over again. But two guys that put every you know when you talk about putting everything on the line. These guys put everything on the line and put their bodies through unbelievable punishment to deliver a spectacle that will go down, you know, as one of those matches that people will always bring up and recall. Um, Again, it's just not my cup of tea. And uh, there's sometimes as as I get older that I appreciate it uh, less.
0: What did, uh, what did Foley think?
2: I think that Foley and edge both loved it. I, I think that they were, were very happy with it and they should have been proud of it. I mean, they left their heart and soul out there.
0: When they come back through the curtain after a match like that, we're in the middle of a WrestleMania, but boy, this one still stands out. People are still talking about it to this day, but it's not the main event and it's not exactly everyone's cup of tea. Is this a standing ovation? And and gorilla, does Vince no, I take have off? No idea, okay. yeah,
2: no idea. I, I I really don't remember. I remember everybody was more concerned for their well being than anything, and they may have. It was it was that kind of a match that people appreciate what they did for the business.
0: What did you think of Lita bleeding from the mouth?
2: Um, you know, it was Hollywood shit. It was.
0: It looked cool though, considering the barbed wire. Socko thing, right? It's a nice little payoff, but it, it is female violence with blood.
2: Yeah, and, and not a fan of it at all.
0: What about um, Edge here as a performer? You know, Edge had just beaten John Cena for the world title in January. Now he's got this big WrestleMania moment with Foley and fucking fire. Is it, I mean, this is when Edge is really hitting his stride as a performer. I mean, he has really leveled his game up, and now it is undeniable. Edge is a top guy.
2: Uh, I thought it was undeniable. Even before this, I think that edge had really come into his own and doing this in, in some ways, you know, people talk about this was edges moment and, and really did him, I think that in some ways edge did Mick, uh, just as much of a favor in this match as anything.
0: So you think it's edge doing Mick a favor to give him the WrestleMania moment more so than Mick helping make edge. I think it was both. Yeah. I
2: think this was, this was a classic example of both were accomplished.
0: There you go. Next up is what Meltzer would call a freak show segment. And I know you love these Booker T's looking for boogeyman. Instead, he sees Paul Burchill practicing his fencing technique. Gene Snitsky is practicing his toe sucking technique on may young. That's a real sentence. And Ted DiBiase doing a retro million dollar man gimmick where he asks Eugene to bounce a basketball a hundred times and he kicks it away at 98. And then there's gold dust wearing a dress and hitting on Booker. Is this some shit you would have produced? This feels like crash TV that you would have liked. I don't recall. Are you Eric Bischoff with me right now? Does Eric not recall? Well, I'm just saying you, you can at least get uh, flowery with your words and give me something, <laughs> but you're doing a goddamn Jerry McDivitt deposition right now. That was good shit, man. This is you all day. Come on.
2: That was great shit right there.
0: This feels like you and Brian having fun. Would Vince this let us do this?
2: Shit. <laughs> no, this is, Cause this is the highlight of the fucking show.
0: Paul Burchill practicing his fencing technique. Yeah. Come on, man. What? I don't know.
2: Just because you can't fence. Don't knock others that do.
0: Gene Snitsky doing the old toe sucking routine on May Young.
2: Wasn't a toe sucking routine. He was just admiring her toes. He likes feet.
0: Okay. You don't got to get hot about it. Well, next up, we've got an interesting match. Boogeyman is going to beat Booker T and Charmel in three minutes and 52 seconds. Here's the write-up. Boogeyman was wearing this fur all over to cover up his torn left biceps. They didn't do much of anything, but what they did do looked terrible. They couldn't really do much though. Since Boogeyman was hurt, Boogeyman pulled a huge handful of worms out of his pocket and ate them. There looked to be like there were 200 of them. He then kissed Charmel, who ran off with worm drool all over her mouth. Boogie then pinned Booker immediately with the neck hanging tree slam. Booker T was the one guy after the show who was not at all happy with his match and how he was used negative one star. You know, you do have a lot of, um, talent to appease and make happy and find a spot on the card for and get them a story. And you're actually good friends with Booker T and we know he's going to have tremendous success here at WWE, but this is probably not what he envisioned for a WrestleMania moment. What do you remember about this match and Booker's, uh, attitude afterwards?
2: Well, I think that, you know, as far as Booker's attitude afterwards, there's no attitude afterwards. Booker's Booker and Booker's a professional. The, the match itself was not supposed to be what it was. And Boogie's injury, unfortunately put us in a situation where we had to get the match out there. He had to do something. That's what we, that's what we did without hurting a uh, boogeyman. and, sometimes that shit happens, but that wasn't what it was designed to be. It was designed to be much more than that. And you have to do the best with what you have at your disposal at the time that that's it, you know, on shit. Would we want to do that? No, but unfortunately you play the hand that
0: you're dealt Vince loves this boogeyman shit, doesn't he?
2: I did for a while and then, you know, realized that when that bell rang, it fucked everything up.
0: It is interesting to think about WrestleMania 22. I mean, when you look at the pay per view, it's John Cena delivering a bulldog to Booker T. So it's the face of your company and Booker T. And we know the face of the company's in the main event that night. But my God. The boogeyman, it almost feels like Booker T is the one who had behavioral problems next up. We've got uh, a match that again, people still talk about, but for one particular spot, Mickey James wins the WWE women's title from Trish Stratus. I really like the storyline here of Mickey being the, the stalker, the obsessed fan, if you will, for Trish, but the crowd's not really into it early, but Meltzer would say they sure were by the end. Stratus kicked the ring post and sold the leg for much of the match. James wrapped her leg around the post. At this point, a let's go Mickey chant started, which ended up being the real story of the match. So she's the crazy psychotic heel and the fans are with her. And very quickly, the crowd just turns and starts booing the hell out of Trish. And Meltzer would say Trish did a tremendous job in the match in carrying James, who was also better than usual. Trish failed going for the Stratus faction. Uh, James came back to do the move and they both collapsed and fell in a heap. It appeared that was the finish, but whatever they were doing, got botched. They just got up and James hit a very weak looking kick and pender. So the botched finish sort of ruined it, but there's a spot that they even edited out of the network that fans still love to post around this time of year where Mickey is maybe taking this obsession with Trish a little too far. Uh, what do you think of this one? And, uh, is this. What you would have hoped it could have been.
2: Uh, I wish finish would have been better, uh, but I thought the match was excellent. I mean, again, it was a story that culminated, and I thought that both of them told a hell of a story.
0: Can you give me anything else on uh, Mickey James and Trish Stratus here? Uh, no, I, I mean, I think that
2: when you go back and you look at the classic, just kind of obsession storyline, they, they played it to the hilt and so much so that people really appreciated Mickey's performance <laughs> Some were like, ah, you know what, Trish, maybe you're being a little harsh here. Um, so I thought that everybody played it to perfection and, and the match was damn good and taking us on a ride and thank God that that spot isn't on the network anymore because I didn't see it. Didn't remind me of
0: it. When, uh, that spot happened. And you know what we're talking about. If you're listening to this, are people upset backstage? I mean, that had to be an audible. Oh
2: yeah. God, please. That's just, yeah, not in good taste. You know, there, there there's certain things that can be provocative and things, and that just wasn't in good taste.
0: Next up Vince leads the McMahon family in a hilarious prayer to God. Vince was roasted. Like he had spent a month in a tanning bed, complete with blisters and had to put on 40 coats of that self-tanning stuff that makes you orange instead of tan. He said he knew God didn't like him, but he's going to send God's favorite wrestler to hell. Unless God told Sean personally this week that he wants to be used in a wrestling angle with Vince, and to let Sean make money merchandising him. But somehow I wouldn't think he's really God's favorite wrestler. That is Meltzer's write-up. How would you categorize it? Describe this Vince McMahon segment where he's, uh, tanned and sang a little prayer.
2: Well, first of all, you got to be tanned to be on top.
0: <laughs> and God is a top guy in fairness. and
2: God's a top guy.
0: Yep. So, I mean, it, it,
2: it, was a classic, it was, it was a classic promo. It was one of those that, um, when all said and done, you go, okay, well, um, we did that. And to this day, (laughs) sit sit there and go, "Uh huh? well, um, we did that. It's an interesting time. Move on and, um,
0: change the subject. The undertaker's up next, but before we talk about him, I'm just reminded of. You know, stories you've told here, just as an aside that over the years, occasionally undertaker, your old pal would have some fun at your expense and say shit like, Hey, remember that time you made me wrestle giant Gonzalez at WrestleMania? I'm just wondering, does your old pal Booker T ever say, Hey Bruce, you remember that time you had boogeyman make out with my wife and beat me at WrestleMania? No. Well, the undertaker he's going to be taking on Mark Henry here. Uh, This is when they're really trying to cement that Mark Henry is a top guy. He had been working a series of main events on the way here. This is a casket match. So anytime it's an undertaker casket match at WrestleMania, you would think this is going to be a big deal, but Meltzer called it a nothing match. He says, the only thing saving it from being a bad match is that toward the finish, the undertaker did an insane running dive over the top. Now, granted he's done that on big shows for years, but there was a casket on the floor and he had to jump over the ropes and clear the casket or else he'd be in a lot of trouble. This is a 44 year old man who has destroyed his body due to injuries. And he is six foot nine and around 300 pounds doing it. He did it. He flew and he landed on Henry. Then almost as scary. He picked up the 400 pounder with a tombstone pile driver. for anyone under 300. That's not a huge deal, but that's a lot of weight to hold and one slip. And that's not a pretty thought. It turned out fine. And that neither undertaker nor Henry was hurt, but it didn't turn out fine. As far as being a good match star and a half. I found that write up from Dave fascinating because the undertaker is usually the target of a lot of negative stuff in this era from Meltzer, but he really loved the athleticism on multiple fronts here of the undertaker. Were you nervous when he would talk about or plan to do these big dives like this, because it doesn't feel like it's necessary in a conventional big man style for years, we hear guys say, Oh, wrestle like a giant, be a big man, be a giant. That's not very giant like, but on a special occasion like this for WrestleMania, maybe it makes sense. Well, let's say you. Oh, the
2: flying cow. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those, uh, situations where you got to trust the talent. If the talent feels, feels good about it, then there's no reason not to do it. If they are comfortable and take her done it many, many times before. Um, yeah, casket being there is, is a little wider, but he also felt very confident, man. Taker's got hops, right? Um, I, he could probably still do it. That was a dig. Um, <laughs> but he probably still good son of a bitch. Um, he's got hops and he, he's a hell of an athlete and a strong deceptively strong guy as well. But, you know, when you talk about the match, I think that this was more of a coming out match for Mark Henry and an opportunity to be in there with the taker and say, you know, hey, let's prove yourself and prove that you can hang in this situation. And I think that Mark did that here. And this was probably one of those moments where it made people notice, sit up and go, you know what, Mark Henry could be the guy at some point.
0: It's interesting that this is not exactly one of the more memorable moments for Taker during his WrestleMania streak, but it is a fine match. I think it's better than star and a half because just of, of what all Dave laid out. You just see some really cool spectacles that you still remember to this day, but it's really the last Taker match for a while. That's not considered a classic because he gets Batista. He gets edge. He gets Sean twice. He gets Hunter twice. He gets punk. And then he loses to Lesnar, but I think even though the streak is very much a thing here, it really starts to pick up steam. I think with the next year, would you agree with that? Uh, no, I wouldn't.
2: I think that, that it had picked up probably about a year or two before that. And it meant something. I do think that the streak met something and had Mark been the one to defeat undertaker, then it would have meant even more. How much serious, I I, I think it was there,
0: how much serious consideration was put into that. And I know in hindsight, people say, Oh, not much. You know, Mark wasn't the top guy. I wonder, the reason I started this whole discussion is Mark had been working main events for a few months at this point. Like even on European tours, they were doing three ways with angle undertaker and, and Mark. So if, if you're a strong enough card to main event, a European tour, the company has you figured in, in a big way.
2: Yeah, and I I think that Mark was a top guy, and I think that Mark definitely Mark Henry definitely um, was in consideration. We talked about it. We we talked about it at length, and it wasn't it wasn't a simple no. He's not the guy. Um, it went on for a while and debated back and forth, and until we finally ended up where we ended up.
1: It's your weekly reminder to make sure that you are taking advantage of all things Conrad over at adfreeshows.com. The content library is phenomenal with so many options that cater to you, the wrestling fan. Whether you enjoy hearing your favorite podcasts ad-free or watching them on your smart device, maybe you're interested in MMA or just enjoy the wrestling nostalgia. I guarantee there is something for you. The interactive experiences alone are worth every penny. From Nick Aldis and Thunder Rosa to legends like Nikita Koloff, Arn Anderson, and Jim Ross. They have all been a part of our live interactive events where you get to talk to them and ask the questions that are on your mind. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to AdFreeShows.com and choose the right tier for you. So much value and a wide selection that is free as well. That's right, free content you can start enjoying today. So, do it now. Go to adfreeshows.com and sign up today and join the fastest growing wrestling community.
0: Again, it's adfreeshows.com. You know, sometimes it's, uh, I think I've heard people say it's not who goes over, it's who gets over. I think Mark Henry his career from here forward is, is going to be leveled up. Uh, you could in another way, even say that undertaker helped make him a bigger star here, but he goes on to work with Batista who's main event at WrestleMania edge. Who's about to have the run of a lifetime here in '06, six, Shawn Michaels, twice, triple H twice punk when punks fresh off of that incredible title run. And then Lesnar is this sort of the last year we asked Taker to help make a guy? And after this, it's just nothing but WrestleMania main eventers.
2: Well, I, I, again, I think some people would have argued that Mark Henry was a main eventer at that point. And I think that, uh, it was, it was a good WrestleMania for the undertaker and for Mark Henry.
0: Next up, um, Sean Michaels and Vince McMahon are going to have a street fight. 18 minutes and 28 seconds. I'm curious before we get into the match, because Vince is fucking 60 here. But before we get into that, if Batista wasn't hurt, what would he have done on this show and how would that affected Shawn Michaels here? Would Kurt angle have been in the three way? Probably not. Maybe Sean would have worked with Kurt, but what would that have left Batista?
2: God, who knows? And that's just armchair booking at this point From I I really don't know. Um, you know, he, he wasn't. So you kind of move on and you forget about the, the, what ifs on certain things because you're so focused on, on what's going to be.
0: Well, it's just interesting to me that, you know, at this point it's been well established that Shawn Michaels really is Mr. WrestleMania the prior year at 21, he had a phenomenal match with Kurt angle. I think Kurt still thinks it's the best match he ever had WrestleMania 20. He's in the three-way dance on top, uh, with uh, Benoit and, um, and Hunter main event WrestleMania 19. He had another show stealing performance with Chris Jericho. So just one after another, it feels like he's in a big spot and don't get me wrong. He's wrestling Vince McMahon and he think Vince does at WrestleMania is a big deal, but it feels like a departure. Certainly an opponent more story. I mean, the next year he's going on last with John Cena at WrestleMania 23 was Sean happy with the way the cards were dealt here and that he winds up working with Vince.
2: Yeah. I mean, my God, I think that this the top heels of all time, definitely happy. And and I mean, again, it was a unique story. Um, I think Sean kind of reluctantly went into that, but, um, No, what's there to be unhappy about (laughs) working, working with the boss and arguably the biggest heel in the company
0: spirit squad are going to play a big role in this, uh, Kenny flies, like he shot out of a cannon and his team's going to catch him. And that was the end of their first WrestleMania. And by this point, Vince is already bleeding badly from above the eye. And Vince is going to whip Sean many times with his belt. It's going to be what Meltzer would call big time heat. And then Shane comes out, beats on Michaels with a kendo stick, but Sean makes a comeback, hits a low blow and handcuffs Shane to the ropes. And then Sean just destroys Vince and Shane with hard kendo sticks and uh, nails Vince with a, uh, hard chair shot to the head. And Vince is really doing almost nothing, no wrestling, but it's just carried because he felt Michaels hit him as hard as he could with objects, not to mention Michael's incredible facial expressions that kept people with it. It was really a one-sided slaughter devoid of any usual psychology while Shane just had to be handcuffed and watch. He would tease a do that. He's going to do a super kick, but then hold up, make some faces, beat Vince up a little more, and then tease it again. And the climax was pulled off of a 15 foot ladder. He put Vince on a table, put the garbage can over his head and comes off with an elbow drop. Finally, a super kick ends it. Vince was carried out on a stretcher but he flips off the audience on the way out three and a half stars. I mean, I know this it's big on story. It's got a lot of heat, but in hindsight, I just wonder, is this really the best use of Shawn Michaels? But you say he loved it.
2: Yeah. And, and of course it's the best use of Shawn Michaels by having him in a huge feature match and you get to see Shawn perform. You got to see Shawn do all of his stuff and, you know, beat the most dastardly despised heel, probably ever.
0: What did, uh, what were you thinking, watching this on a monitor backstage? When you see your, your boss getting the shit beat out of him, pouring blood, taking this abuse. I mean, this is a leader of the company, 60 years old. We're a publicly traded company he's getting his ass kicked here.
2: Yeah, that's what he did. I was, I was thinking Sean hit him more and then I was wondering, <laughs> where's God? Oh God, God, where are you? My eye? Yeah. I kept waiting for a God run in. Is it? a Don't little... think that wasn't discussed.
0: Oh God. Are you serious? No. Okay. I got <laughs> I so excited like, I... just for a minute. Yeah. Hey, so WrestleMania 26 uh, is obviously uh, four years after this one, but Vince wrestles breath there. What is it about Vince wanting to, I mean, we've also seen Vince wrestle Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania and Shane at WrestleMania. Does Vince feel like he needs to be in WrestleMania or does creative say, what if, and what if just turns into God damn, that's good shit.
2: Usually it's, usually it's the battle. Uh, you know, Vince is like, do not, do not mention me. Do, do not put my name I'm not doing it and blah, blah, blah. And then eventually we'll get to the point where it's like, Hey, yeah, well, it makes sense. Usually it's kicking and screaming, begrudgingly going into it.
0: I'm also curious when you have a guy like this, who's usually captaining the ship, I mean, from what we understand and I, you know, correct me from wrong. For most WrestleManias, Vince is seated in Carilla, but now he's just went and worked his ass off. He's pouring blood. He's got to be worn out. He's got to be sore and hurting. Does he just walk back through, sit down, put the headsets on, or is it time to fucking go recover for a few minutes? Somebody else has got to tag in.
2: It's time to recover later.
0: You go put the headset back on and work. It's so, time to,
2: what the fuck? You going to rest? Rest after the
0: show. <laughs> Is that the one time you get to say shit like that to Vince? Cause he's normally the guy doing that in the meetings, right? What do you mean? You got to go to bed. It's only 2 AM. Goddamn. How much sleep do you need? Yeah. Man. Come on. Let's go. Wipe that blood out of your eyes, big boy. Let's go. Yeah. Don't get
2: any on the headset
0: either. <laughs> uh, next up we get Ray stereo. We talked about this a little bit up top. Um, it's a big entrance. We just covered this match in long form with Kurt angle. If you guys want to check out Kurt's breakdown of this match, uh, we got a lot of meat on the bone there. Uh, it's, uh, the Kurt angle show drops on Sundays here on Westwood one. It's a three-way match though. Uh, Ray's going to win the WWE title from, uh, Kurt angle and Randy Orton here in a three way, nine minutes, 18 seconds. Mysterio gets the big ring entrance. He's got the band, uh, POD playing his entrance music. And Kurt would say, you know, whatever this match had 18 minutes or whatever is normally how they time out a show, not only for the the bell to bell time, but the actual entrances and the match gets cut very short because of the big band thing, but it is his crowning moment and it is WrestleMania. You got to have a special entrance or two in here somewhere, right?
2: Yes. Yeah, you do. and And, and it was the right
0: thing to do. Um, The fans, for whatever reason, start to turn a little bit on Mysterio and they're really cheering, let's go angle. And they start booing Ray's offense, which in hindsight just feels like, how's this possible? The story is Ray wants to win for Eddie. We just saw Eddie get the huge reaction for his hall of fame induction and even acknowledgement on this very show. But I think they're just so far behind angle. They just don't want it. They're even booing his attempt at a six-one-nine, and cheering when Angle does the ankle lock, which is crazy. Uh, but eventually, it happens, and I think maybe the finish left a little bit to be desired. Mysterio knocks Angle out of the ring and does a six-one-nine on Orton, and then a springboard hurricane runner for the pin. And the crowd booed Mysterio the entire match, but then cheer when he wins. Uh, he goes to the back, and at that point, Chavo and Vicky are come out to congratulate him. And the crowd's cheering this a lot, but Meltzer would say it was not the moment you would have expected from reading it three and a half stars. What could we have done better for this Ray Mysterio story and crowning moment? Is there a teachable moment in all this?
2: Well, I think that it was a Chicago crowd. I think it was that WrestleMania crowd more than anything. And they appreciate ankle, but I didn't think that they, When Ray won, it was the reaction you're looking for. And they did pop for Ray winning. So, to that, you got what you want. I think sometimes they were, you know, they kind of look at things a little cynical, going, ah, they're putting Ray Mysterio over here, so we're not going to go the way they want us to go. And, but the match itself, good, quick match, told the story, and you got the hell out of there.
0: What's Siri saying these days?
2: Uh, it's the Americares building. What? Yeah. What? What is it? America? You asked. Well, it wasn't Siri. It was. It was someone else. Oh, okay. I'm trying to work here too. You know, I've, I've got fucking phones, and I got uh, how many? I got four screens here, going on and shit. I, I'm I'm multitasking here. I'm a multitasking motherfucker. You know what I do, Conrad?
0: You, uh, you record podcasts, a uh, WrestleMania week when no one thought this would ever happen. Thank you for that. I spend
2: that. my days working hard on the go. <laughs> the hands on the clock keeps spinning too slow. But what else can you I wait can't to do? I can't wait to be alone with my baby tonight.
0: Hi. Where she got right, you.
2: Let's go. I gotta go.
0: Oh, Okay. God damn. You're over here fucking combing your beard and shit. Well, you're just singing. I don't know what to do. I'm a good singer. I'm not arguing that. Uh, People want this. Was this match too short? Nine minutes, 18 seconds. Could we have cut a little bit out of the nonsense Vince McMahon, 18 minute match?
2: Sure. you could have, I think that, uh, you know, was, could it have been longer? Sure. It could have been, I don't know if it needed to be though.
0: I think it needed to be, you've got three of the best in ring performers there, I would have liked to have seen them have a little more time. I mean, I don't think a longer match makes a better match by any means, but the money in the bank got more edge and Foley got more. I mean, they got two more minutes than Carlito did uh, next up. We've got Tori Wilson and Candace, Michelle, they go three minutes and 54 seconds in the Playboy this pillow needed fight. More time. This was not the lingerie pillow fight people expected. It was more close tearing, bad wrestling. Nobody cared this late in the show. It was designed to be crummy, so Triple H and Cena could get a fresh audience type of deal. Both ended up with their dresses torn, and Wilson won with a schoolboy, schoolgirl, I guess, in this case, dud. A Playboy pillow fight. I don't think we'll be seeing many of those in WWE in the future.
2: Yeah, no. And, and, and of course, you know, the, the genius who has promoted and, and produced so much television and, and events, that's what you want to do. You want to give people bad shit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That didn't make any sense. Let's get to our main event. John Cena, triple H. I get 22 minutes and two seconds. Meltzer gave it three and three quarter stars. Meltzer says it was real clear. This was portrayed as the main event. They had the most elaborate entrances with triple H coming out as Conan and Cena coming out as a Chicago gangster with a bunch of gangsters in the car, many from OVW, including CM Punk. It should be noted OVW star Colt Cabana was a druid for Undertaker earlier in the show. Fans seemed to boo both men early, but Cena far more. Triple H ended up getting cheered and worked almost as the face early, but it was a slowed pace early. Triple H did his Harley race bump over the top. He also took a backdrop on the metal ramp. He whipped Cena into the steps. Cena did the big comeback and got booed. He had a hard clothesline, a five knuckle shuffle, and the STFU, but Triple H gets the ropes. The heat in the last few minutes of the match was excellent, and Triple H really deserves credit for carrying this match. Triple H laid out Cena and did the same DX crotch chop that Michaels did late in his match, and the crowd popped real big for it. Triple H got the sledgehammer and used it, but Cena kicked out. Cena uses the FU and Triple H kicks out. Triple H goes for the pedigree, but Cena reverses it into the STFU, and that's it. Triple H taps out. Meltzer would say the last several minutes had excellent heat, as much as people were for and against Cena, but in the end, it was the tension for the match that was so strong. It was better than Triple H versus Batista last year. Three and three quarter stars. I find that last comment interesting. Because the Batista Triple H storytelling was so good with the you know the uh, evolution coming to an end, the big payoff and and they finally have the match, but a year later he preferred the one with Cena. What did you like better Triple H Batista the year prior or Triple H Cena here I like this one. Why do you like this one better?
2: I don't know. I I think that this one had a little bit more electricity to it. And I'm talking about the match itself, the presentation, everything about it for this WrestleMania. And it was a great spotlight for Cena. And, you know, again, you have to consider the source here on the report. It was the same guy that at the, at the top in his report was that it was obvious that triple H was going over and he knew triple H was going over. Um, so again, you have to consider your sources, and I thought that the electricity, the feeling, the overall uh, ambiance of this match was just better. It's different.
0: Let me uh, let me also understand in regards to the the main event and the crotch chop, and we also saw the crotch chop from Shawn Michaels in his match with Vince. DX isn't actually going to be revealed as being a thing for their sort of reunion tour here in 2006 until June. Did going into this, you already have that planned for sure. Or was it just one of those what ifs, or did it just organically happen? And when the crowd popped, you thought, oh shit, there's something here.
2: It organically happened. And I mean, they crotch chopped in every match.
0: Right. But here it does feel like this is noted as this is the first inclination. Hey, DX is coming back. Was it something that triple H and Sean were pushing for and, and liked the idea or was it just earmarked?
2: No, it was just something that organically happened. That we said, Hey, what if we did this? I, we, that one really wasn't planned.
0: Looking back, were you happy that Jim Ross did the commentary instead of Joey styles? Not really. You could have been, you would have been happy either way. I would have preferred Michael Cole. Oh man, you're just a natural heel, just a natural heel. Uh, John Cena, is this his big first major? I mean, he's had WrestleMania moments. I mean, going back to Oh four, when he beat big show for the U S title at 20, that was a cool moment. And then the year prior, he is working for the world title, but he's not going on last John Cena is now going on last and beating a heritage character like triple H. This is sort of the, the crowning officially Cena's the top guy, right?
2: Yeah, I think that this is one more move in that direction to just, you know, move him there and solidify it.
0: It's interesting to think, you know, who closed the show the prior year. Cause you go back to that famous Royal rumble where Cena and Batista both hit at the same time. And it was a whole situation. They go, it felt like they thought Batista was going to be the top guy. And then he's injured here. He's not even in, on this WrestleMania, even though he may have ended the prior year. It does make me wonder, would Cena have closed the show if Batista wasn't injured? Do you think by that point, Vince had just decided we're going with him or did the injury create the opportunity?
2: We had already decided we were going with Cena before this. Yeah. So, I mean, it, Cena was the guy,
0: uh, wrestling observer readers rated edge and Mick Foley as the best match and the money in the bank ladder match as second with Cena and triple H third. I know you didn't love the edge Foley match. What was your favorite match on this show?
2: My favorite match was Cena triple H.
0: The worst match was, uh, according to the readers, the boogeyman match followed by, of course, the playboy pillow fight. That's sort of neck and neck there, huh?
2: <laughs> yeah. They gotta be tied.
0: Uh, where do you rank this? No, Russell only way- they
2: had more time. If the pillow fight could have had like 18, 19 minutes.
0: I love you for that.
2: I had time to, you know, tell a good story with that. And
0: well, if those ladies would slow down and sell a hold, I know. Hey, uh, where do you rank this mania in terms of looking back? I mean, you, you sort of said at the top of the show, this is almost like a black hole. It is a black hole of my fandom. I mean, I was watching, but not as intently as maybe I was, you know, 10 years prior. Uh, we just talked about WrestleMania 96 and it feels like I remember more about that than I do WrestleMania. Oh, six. Do you think the same way? I kind of do,
2: but when you go back and you watch it, it was a damn good show.
0: It was a good show.
2: And and so you think, well, shit, man, why the fuck did I remember it? And other than just different periods in in time, go away.
0: Now we got a bunch of fan questions. There's no way to get to them all. Uh, Keith wants to know any hesitation with the burning table spot. Not on your end, but did they have to sell it to Vince or was Vince okay with letting the guys just yeah, do what they want?
2: A lot of hesitation. Cause you got to get a fire marshal approval and there's a lot of things that could go wrong when you do things in a bingo hall that people hope is going to go up in flames. Um, nobody cares. I doubt that they had a fire marshal there that they had to contend with.
0: Stupid ass Stan wants to know if Batista wasn't injured and you already said, ah, oh, that's all fantasy booking. I don't know. Was it ever considered that there would be a Shawn Michaels, Kurt angle, part two, a rematch, if you will,
2: I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't really remember. We were, we were moving on the stories that we had at the time. Stan should have listened to, to the rest of the show earlier. <laughs> yeah. He would have asked this question.
0: Uh, Dan Harvard wants to know the triple H banner being next to the McMahon's at the top of the arena. Was that a rib? Yes. I love you. <laughs> yes fine fuck you got one all right <laughs> okay whatever, no, whatever. I, I don't care about that one all right let's move on uh dustin wants to know do you remember any other alternate programs for sean michaels even being discussed other than mr mcmahon people are fascinated by this
2: you know i i don't because it was it was kind of one of those things that started and had legs and in I think that we expected a lot more negative backlash that never came. And it was more of a, ah, God damn that boy, Sean mock needs to beat that, that, that Vince McMahon. Just, just take him out there and just just whoop, just whoop him. Give him a whooping his mama should give him a long time ago. Um, there wasn't this outrage. Oh my God, blasphemy, all this stuff. Um, so it, it was, yeah, it was different.
0: Here's something that we haven't talked about on this show at all. Let's go back six months prior to this. Was Sean and Eddie the original plan? Logan wants to know that. I think we've talked about that before that you had pitched. And I think even Sean had said he wanted to wrestle Eddie at a WrestleMania. Do you think it would have been this one had Eddie, unfortunately not passed away?
2: Um, I know, I know it was pitched
0: because I pitched it all the time. I
2: wanted that match so bad. Um this could have been the year that it could have happened.
0: IP Video says during the build up for the Cena Triple H main event, Triple H kept bringing up all of John's flaws as a professional wrestler. I believe the stink of this stayed on Cena for a long time. Do you think Triple H hammering that John Cena couldn't wrestle was best for business long term?
2: Well, I think that Cena proved that he could and that he could hang and in the end the result speaks volumes.
0: Well, I hope that you guys enjoyed that. We have pulled off the impossible this week. We managed to, uh, sequester nearly two hours out of Bruce this morning on WrestleMania week, Bruce, I'm pretty excited. I know it's a, it's a different WrestleMania. I'm thankful that it's different from last year's though. We're going to have fans in person tomorrow night and Sunday night. It's on Peacock. And from what I understand, it's only, uh, a couple bucks to go ahead and get signed up. We used to pay like, I don't know, 50 bucks for WrestleMania. And now it's a couple dollars. So I know a lot of people are being bluebirds about the Peacock deal, but that's a pretty hell of a deal. That's a pretty, pretty great trade.
2: Absolutely. It is. Uh, And he has so much more.
0: WrestleMania this weekend. What are you most excited about? That it'll be over?
2: (laughs) Isn't that terrible? Um, you know, I'm, I'm most excited to be, Performing in front of a live audience and to see people again.
0: Earlier this week, uh, our great close personal friend Eric Bischoff became a bona fide Hall of Famer. I'm so happy for him. Anything you want to mention about your pal Eric getting in the Hall of Fame?
2: Uh, just long overdue. Uh, extremely happy for him, and got a nice.
0: Uh, we took a very nice photo. You going to post it? Uh, that day, I sent it to you. I know, but I didn't assume that was for public consumption. It wasn't. So can we ever post it? You can post it tomorrow. Okay. Saturday night framed. Oh, did you really? Oh, of course you did. (laughs) I forgot. You got a fucking (laughs) whole thing now. You sure?
2: Yeah, that's my new obsession now. Where, where I was like, I sit up late at night and I can't sleep, so I just go and frame shit.
0: Well, yeah, that's a real thing, and, and we would plug it, but they're not sponsoring the show yet. I know, but maybe we should mention it, and they would. By the way, we're gonna be back next week. Uh, to talk about a show that happened 30 years ago, uh, April 15th, 1991. It's a Saturday night main event, uh, number 29, in fact, from the Omaha civic center, it's going to actually air on April 27th. Uh, the event had 9,400 people in the crowd and this is, uh, well, it's going to be winding down the relationship here because what do you know, we're going to Fox after this, but our main event. Is, uh, the ultimate warrior taking on Sergeant Slaughter. We've got the nasty boys working with the bushwhackers. Mr. Perfect is in a battle Royal with uh, a lot of other superstars. Ted DiBiase is going to be wrestling Bret Hart. And our last match on the show is the Mountie Tito Santana. This is one of your last shows with the company before you take your, uh, hiatus, I believe is the phrase. Yes. Hiatus. It's a good word. Are you looking forward to talking about this or not so much since, you know, it's the end of a Pritchard era.
2: Yeah. You know, it is what it is. You live and you learn. And if you don't learn, then you die.
0: Well, hopefully you don't die this week at WrestleMania because it feels like it is one crazy show after another all week this week. Are you just going to plan to sleep like next Tuesday? Is that the plan?
2: Well, that would be nice if we didn't have live television coming. Next Friday, and then the next Monday, and then the next Friday, and then the next Monday, and then the next Friday, and then the next Monday.
0: So I just sleep when you're dead? Yeah. Well, I hope you don't die before next week because I'm looking forward to talking about 1991 WWF right here on something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard.
2: You want to go to lunch? Sure,
0: man. I want to go to lunch. First on the SL Pancho
2: Villa. See, bien. De nada. Rock on
0: Are you excited. WrestleMania tomorrow. Oh yeah. What's going to be better Saturday night or Sunday night. Both. Oh, it's a bullshit answer. See you next week, folks, man. We love talking about our friend, Steven singer. And I'll tell you the competition must really hate this guy. He just makes the experience of buying a diamond better and better. And he makes it fun. Steven is the very first to offer each and every customer the perfect price. That's right. Have you ever wondered if you're getting the best price? Are you uncomfortable negotiating? Well, head to Steven Singer Jewelers and you're guaranteed to get the perfect price. You'll never pay more than the guy sitting next to you. Here's a little insider tip. Most jewelers mark their merchandise way up just to mark it down to make you feel like you're getting a deal. The guy next to you may be paying less. Do you want the most important purchase of your life to be based on your negotiating skills? That's never the case at Steven Singer because at Steven Singer Jewelers, you're guaranteed to get the perfect price all day, every day, 365 days a year. That's why we trust Steven Singer. He makes the experience of buying a diamond so easy. So check out Steven Singer Jewelers at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly or online at IHateStevenSinger.com. Steven Singer Jewelers, one place, one price.